Hey, Lou, what's going on? Joey, what's been good in your world? Any new cool things happening in the world of, of you and lurking class? Oh, why, yeah. Yes, there <clears throat> is. Of course. We just put out a no new way. EP. Yeah. New EPs out oh, on man. Spotify, what's... YouTube, Apple Music, Amazon, fucking Bandcamp. Make sure you buy it on Bandcamp and listen to it all the time. Make sure it's the only thing you listen to. The EP's out. What's the name it's of the EP. We... Oh, I got you. We Believe in Steve. <gasps> nice. How many songs? Three. It's about mm. eight minutes and 34 seconds long. It won't. We won't waste your time listening to it. You should definitely check it out. Yay, that sounds wonderful. Yay. Thank you, thank you. Audience applause. Wee, wee. <laughs> that was great, and that's true. Uh, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> we had and, to do takes. We're, that we're uh... and that, no, no, no. First take. Everyone knows that was. First Every, yeah, take. that was all. First everyone take. knows. Indecisive <laughs> opinions is all just we're running. It's like film. It's like we're running on reverse film. What does that have to do with today? I don't. <laughs> it's I don't all improv. Know. Everything is improv. It's all improv. It's all improv. That's my segue, Joey. I'm transitioning, damn it. <laughs> the I don't have the info on that, but I think Lou might. So I'm going to hand this over to the four strings. Phenom. So thank you. That was, uh, that was absolutely lovely. I chose this movie that we're going to be talking about today. Um, it is a very, very interesting film. I, I don't want to call it an art film because I don't think that it is, even though it could be conceived that way, I guess. Um, this is the 1998 movie Buffalo 66 written, directed and acted in by the legendary Vincent Gallo starring uh, a number of interesting people. And there was a few reasons I picked this first is I know that at least two of us in this podcast really appreciate like single day stories. Uh, the second reason is Christina Ricci. And the third reason is I, I I like this idea of a person having the worst day in the fucking world. Like everything that could be stacked against this person is stacked against them. That's that's our our main protagonist. Well, maybe antagonist protagonist. I don't know. Fucking Billy <laughs> Brown played by Vincent Gallo. Um, this movie was a handful, and I I really wanted to have you guys watch this because to date I don't know as if we've watched a movie quite like this that's maybe a little bit more drama there's some elements of comedy there's crime you know throughout this whole thing it kind of underscores everything um but this was a unique movie and i felt like it was appropriate for me um and i wanted to share this with you guys so here we are we're gonna be talking about buffalo 66 as new yorkers we Hell have yeah. much knowledge on this subject i'm sure or relatability in <laughs> Many of those things that Lou said, just having the <laughs> having the worst day of your life, whether you're a great great human being or not. Uh, this is, yeah, I don't know if people are gonna simplify it with art, art house style film or whatnot, mm -hmm. but maybe just like, uh, class classicism in the '90s, something like that. Independent what, filmmaking. It's it yes. Indep this yeah. is. This is definitely leaning way in that direction of probably most like independent film that we've ever covered in our uh, almost 50 episodes now, wherever this one lands, 48, mm -hmm. 49, I'm pretty sure. So like, like that. Yeah, anything else that we did probably has like more of a horror element to it, you know, not looking at bad taste or anything. 
but no, but still horror, horror comedy right horror comedy action but also um, the, I feel like- yes the same kind of fascinating that that was that like i was like confused about and lou was perturbed about with bad taste might not be the same reasons for this kind of dramatic indie film with mm-hmm. like specific performances and just i mean right away just for me like kind of relatable for like at least the first act or two, like not with like, I've never kidnapped a girl or anything weird like that, I, but like <laughs> the, the family stuff, the family stuff. And like seeing like relationships between Billy and these other, you know, going back to your hometown and your house, your parents are like, Oh my God, man, come on. We've like all had that. Even if we just go away for a weekend, <laughs> there's Uh just i feel like there are some little things in here where if you don't think you're this kind of like guy the billy is the character you know the character vincent gallo's playing but maybe there's somebody or something in this that you can kind of be like i know someone like i know someone like that you know it just feels very like upstate new york in a way and it's like is as close as you can get to upstate New York. It's the western part of the states. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so there's my initials, Joey. I don't know if you got any uh, bumfuck f- folks that remind you of some goony characters here. Oh yeah, there's definitely some comparable people in my life to this. I mean, I live out in the middle of nowhere, so you get to know a little bit of everybody. You know, everybody's a little bit of defaults or their benefits. You know. Yeah, everybody uh, seems to have that one day, though. <laughs> yeah, just that relatability between characters, uh, feelings, relationships with people, and yeah. Y- yeah, Lou nailed it, dude. The one day story. Once that kept happening, I was just like, "This is all within," I, like maybe even like twelve. I mean, is it two in the morning at the end? So, yeah, because remember that's when that's when right. he was coming in. It was okay. anytime after two. That's what they kept saying on the phone. So then, within 24 hours, still, like, besides, yeah. like, the yeah, yeah. flashbacks and whatever. Yeah, dude, I love that idea. Like, the way it's shot, definitely a unique style and all of that to just, for anybody that's not from New York, I guess, to find something in this film. Because, yeah, uh, like, fucking weird subjects <laughs> and <laughs> instances, you know, you know, just, like... This movie's just a lot to, you know, take in. It is. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Especially, like, I haven't seen this. So watching this the first time, there was a a lot to take in on this movie, man. A lot of of feelings, a lot of, like, you know, it was just a lot of surprise elements, you know? It's pretty good. It's good, though. Like, I was entertained. I I didn't feel like it was too long. Yeah, right? I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. I just wanted to know what was going to happen, you know? It definitely like builds and builds for me. Not to say the beginning is slow. The beginning, I feel like, has more of like the more obvious, like darkly comedic stuff to it, specifically just with like the finding a bathroom situation. Like it it does open up to be a little little cheeky, surprisingly, to then dive into more like dramatic, like, whoa, oh, they're going there kind of things but keeping it like keeping it darkly comedic that's 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 a tight uh tight wired act dance whatever that rickyism is that i'm trying there like that's a that's a tightrope walk 
something like that. So Mike, have you had, I know we talked about this kind of off and on, a, you know, in and around practice, but this is something you said you'd seen pieces of, but it, you'd never gone through the whole movie. Was that what you yeah, were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was trying to trace back, like when you first mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, I know. Like, you know, I knew I was, I think I said the Vincent Gallo one, right? Like that was my one, like, you know, cause it's, you know, he's not, he's not really in anything else. It's another one of those guys like has his movie or two kind of sticks to himself, you know, interesting human being, whatnot. But I knew like, oh yeah, Christina Ricci's also in it. I know I can picture the cover of the phone booth, like picture, you know, but I think maybe I was just in and out of it, like. Uh, probably on, as I usually say, the HBO or one of those bonus movie channels with no commercials, stars, encore, showtime, like back in the early 2000s or something. I, I think I just thought it was more of like a vignette, like Quentin Tarantino, like indie without the action, like over the top shit, you know, like that kind of, I think that's like my first impression of when I was just too young to really understand, but definitely when I watched it this week, it was like, oh no, this is the subject matter. And like everything that's happening is not what I remember at all. Like, how do I know this guy? Like Basquiat was, was like, what am I, <laughs> this guy's not in anything else. Like what, how was I, so it's basically the whole, like, yeah, it's probably one of the million other movies that I came across of like at a weird point in the movie and couldn't understand it for 20 minutes. So I switched it. Cause that's, like how I was discovering shit at that age. Time worn a cable, man. Uh, you don't know you miss it until it's gone. Damn. <laughs> True though. So this is pretty much yeah. so this is pretty much a first time taken as well, I gotta say. Uh it was definitely, a lot. <laughs> definitely not a movie you can just jump halfway into. You know what I mean? No, you like ha- that you makes, gotta watch that makes the whole sense. thing to like that's usually what happened to me back then. I can specifically even remember like movies that I then ended up enjoying once like yeah. I went back to them. And, uh, but, but this one, like, no, none of this was really ringing a bell. Just knowing the two actors in it, like that's it, dude. I was, I was just like, all right, Lou's making us do an indie movie. Like this is another, like this is the indie, like American indie, like in the nineties is a pretty, pretty good poll <laughs> well it's if that's I, what you're going I, I think <laughs> well no i think i think what i was going for is just like the the feel the feel of the movie itself it's like you know football season in you know western new york so i it's know right we relate cold, to that though you know which, but it sets like the whole tone of him getting released and going through and trying to fucking piss and nowhere's open and the bathrooms are closed this is the cold, like Buffalo, and in, in my opinion, like I don't know about it. Like you know, I'd been to Buffalo as a kid in the early '90s and or the mid to late '90s, but I don't, I couldn't look at it as as I would an adult. I've been there a bunch since I was an adult. It's still a fairly cold place, just in general, yeah. um, not even temperature wise. It's just you know, it's a, it's an ex-industrial city that had a shitload of corporations leave it. So there's just all of this waste, you know, there's these abandoned buildings, and when they were. Yeah. Correct. And it was interesting. It was interesting seeing these, some of these shots because like there's one in particular, it's, it's, it's probably about 10 minutes outside of, of uh, Ralph Wilson stadium, but it's on the left-hand side. You see these like big, huge 
uh, like warehouses. It's it's very fleeting, but like we stayed at an Airbnb the last time we went out for the Bills Cowboys games right on a street right next to that area. I picked it out immediately because the dude who was the host showed up and he was explaining to us like, yeah, this used to be owned by the Blank Corporation. It shut down at this time. They have never been able to fucking redevelop it. Like it just sits and basically rots. And like <laughs> seeing all these different things, like Classic. I'm not a fucking professional. It, it just, it, it summarizes everything. Then combine that with how cold his parents are, like completely caught up in everything but their son. And it's very fucking obvious every step of the way. They can't even barely remember his youth, let alone what if he can eat chocolate or not. And like, you know, <laughs> even the, the know whole thing name. with the puppy. Correct. Oh, correct. And, and it also, and it also is very interesting that like with Angelica Houston, like they, they really played up on like this obsession. Like I've, I've heard a couple of people say this about like the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo in particular, but the Bills are the only thing that Buffalo has, especially as you moved into the 80s and then in, obviously into the 90s. But like Buffalo was depressed. And this movie captures that, I think, in one movie, not only from like, again, this hyper obsession with the Bills, because that's all there is, but also just the mm -hmm. people in general. It's a very cold race of individuals that, yeah, that decide to reside out there. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting to see that play out on film in a not so unrealistic manner. Yes, there are unrealistic things in this movie, but overall, just the, the feel of it and the fact that, I mean, the dude was born in Buffalo. So it's like, I'm going to trust that he's going to accurately represent most things in and around that area. Like, it's not like he was going into fucking Duff's and getting a plate of chicken wings. Like, no, he's kidnapping a girl and staying in a sleazy ass motel because he wants to kill, a, you know, Scott, you know, Scott Norwood, <laughs> a.k.a. we can't say his name in the movie. Yeah, um, they he wants to shoot him in the fucking head. You know what I mean? So it's just like. <laughs> I was I was drawn to all those different aspects. This is just uh, Ace Ventura. The... Yeah, I mean, dude, to to a T. Like I I I had Lace seen this. I had seen this. I'd seen this in college, and like it was definitely one of those things where I was like, I, I was aware of this, like of what was going on in the movie, because it's it's a fairly easy story to follow. But I don't think I was emotionally uh, mature enough at that time. Yeah, like, right. You know, two thousand seven. Mm -hmm. Like. 2008 I was not prepared with what was thrown at me and it was very well shot obviously and the flashbacks are great the freeze frame within the you know within his like mind oh, and stuff man. when he's yeah. actually shooting me in the head like the cinematography so of this many good yeah that's so many fucking good. epic oh, I love that there's a, those are the parts that I was like oh man it's shot like <laughs> extremely well indie mm -hmm. well it's, you know it's definitely the... got it's like super specific shots you know, oh, it with like the oh, colors, yeah, like the flattening like, of the colors. Like, yeah, so, so many... that's the other that's the yeah. other piece to this is the the coloring. Like when they're in the bathroom, like there's the famous like you know basically side shot where she's sitting on, on top of the bathtub and he's in the bathtub. Like I've seen that still so many fucking <laughs> times because the coloring is perfect because you have someone like Christina Ricci who's essentially dressed up to be pale. She's wearing a baby blue fucking, know. you know, dance outfit and tap shoes, you know, which she doesn't get out of for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, but that, I, I think there was a lot of thought into those select, everything's deliberate. That's what I'm getting at. Everything in this movie feels very, very yeah, deliberate. Sure. And I appreciate that because I'm very deliberate with the majority of the things that I do. It's, Everything has intention and like it's very obvious in, in, a, in a number of these different shots, like just the attention to, to detail that it's like, no, who, who the fuck's going to pick up on the color 
of of how these characters you know look back and forth from one another. You have Vincent Gallo who's bathed in like dark clothing and bright red fucking shoes. Yeah, who's this dark brooding <laughs> character, and then you have Christina Ricci who, for all intents and purposes, is seemingly very light you know she's innocent there's a level of innocence with Uh her and that perfectly reflects on her makeup her hair and her outfit like the whole time so you have this you know uh this guy you know um essentially this juxtaposition of of dark and light energies like within people and how they act it's just it's fucking it's great it's amazing again as as a freshman in college in Plattsburgh, new york in 2007 smoke a pot and trying to watch this movie with a bunch of other horny dudes. It's like probably didn't, <laughs> probably didn't pick up on the majority of these things. But right. going back now and having revisited <laughs> a couple of times as an adult, it's like, yeah, like this is a really, this epitome. You said it, Mike. It's like, it's kind of in a way epitomizes like American independent film. Dude, in I a think lot he's going to her. I mean, <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's, it, it gave me the similar, like uh independent notion as, as clerks basically i guess you know that was a the 24-hour story like idea specifically Mm -hmm. and just you know another kind of deliberate tone though like how how was kevin smith like deciding so late to do it in black and white that seems like that's so much of like the fucking idea of it is just Mm -hmm. almost like seemingly like boring just like camera shots like just laying it it's it's not there's nothing about that it's all like dialogue sequences and in this you have those portions but there's definitely some kind of uh homage or like something you know like the dinner table kind of cameras like those four setups all those shots oh yeah 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 very interesting yeah but like i know there's something i don't know if it's like eastern homage but Mm -hmm. um yeah, something very just like, huh, I feel like I'm watching Old Boy when like I see something like that for some mm-hmm. reason. So I don't know if that was an influence on Vinny G or not, but I, yeah, I appreciate anything like that as well, you know, regardless of the subject matter or like even the human being behind it, if like they're the greatest person in the world or not. Like there's an artist, an artistic vision here, clearly, and sometimes artists aren't the great greatest fucking people, man. They got a lot of emotions and shit going on. They don't handle it in the best Dark way. That's like thoughts. the the news and tabloids is what I'm talking about now, Cholder. And it was a little darker 20 years ago when you watch Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> See what Charlie Sheen's up to. You know, like there's just, yeah, we're, you got to get all that out of it and just watch it for being it's a fucking movie. Fictional see what you can find there's a lot of little things a lot of things in the side fills as i would say <laughs> well it's like also too it's you know what's interesting about it is you know you take this completely unlikable guy and you have also these like archetypes that are developed and written in where as you go through a, this day in the life of essentially you are able to get a, a glimpse at why billy is the way that he is And I know like a lot of movies, you know, one of the big things (laughs) movies will try and do through script writing is they will illustrate why someone is this way. But you start to you continuously see why he is the way that it is. I know to a degree like it doesn't. I like it. And this one works. Dude, while I was watching this whole thing, I I, like hated the character at first almost, you know, just because he was like a bad guy. I, I, I totally agree with what you mean. But like as he was growing up. You know, or you know, not growing up, 
you get to yeah you get to see his faults and you start to like him more and more you know it is an interesting th- way to start off with the character you know yeah i think i think in a lot of ways too why it appealed to me as much as it does is because it through all of that like over explanation and like character building it doesn't excuse anything it explains it and i yeah, think to a lot of in, in a lot of ways like it. that's yeah that I think the excuses are tend, and this is just my own personal opinion, but I think in a lot of movies, it's easy to just have excuses for characters to do certain things versus actually working through and explaining it. It's like why I'm obsessed with Stephen King as a writer. It's just like he goes through so much painstaking detail to illustrate exactly what is going on in this town and with this person <laughs> who's yes, a nosy neighbor who, you know, like it's just you, you, you paint this very, very detailed picture and it continues to be painted throughout this whole movie through the storytelling and of his past and, and why he is where he is today, feeling the way he is feeling it. It's, it's the ultimate character building. Um, but then a shot of redemption mm-hmm. too. Like that's the other piece to it. It's not, you know, I, you know, not to spoil anything, but like there are, and we can get to it, but like there are also elements where he's faced with these decisions and it's, it's interesting to see the way in which it plays out. Um, but going back to like the, the topic of like character archetypes, it's like you have the the completely oblivious Buffalo Bill obsessed like mother, and then mm-hmm. like you have this you have Ben Gazzara like the the cast around him. I, I don't Gazzara. know how that yep. selection process yeah, yeah. what it came well, down. I, that's not but yeah, <laughs> very interesting to me. Very I don't casting. either. Not gonna lie about a fact later on. Like no indie <laughs> movies. So no, sometimes just... you can't find a lot of shit, you know. But mm-hmm. that there is a number of like big players supporting around him being the least least well known out of like five other people. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I I would very much agree in that. Like talking about building a cast around you to like build you up. Like you see all these filmmakers doing pretty much (laughs) right after this time period. I, or right after this was made, I guess that's like a two thousands kind of comedy. thing. But even think about it, it's like you have Angelica Houston and Christina Ricci who are already superstars, Roseanne Arquette, already a superstar, Ben Gazzara, already established his name in Hollywood. Like they're in the list continues yeah. like this to, to have <laughs> Kevin Corrigan movie, eventually people recognize, but did not quite yet at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. They will. They will know who he is. He just saw wants to get home to his wife and eat dinner. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes. <laughs> So it's like, so I think that was the other thing, but going back to like the, the archetypes here with the parents in particular, um, is, is Jimmy Brown as Ben Gazzara? He seems kind of creepy. Like dude, I picked up on his creepy, so dude, he's creep. a fucking uh, weirdo. Oh man. He's a weird, not only does he kill puppies and like not give a shit about his son, but like the way in which <laughs> like he kept touching Christina Ricci that was part, so yeah. uncomfortable to me. No. So uncomfortable to me. It was oh, um it so, definitely was like another thing that you've seen done before where the creepy dad is interested in the son's fiance or or whatever you know the situation is there it's always just like I've I've seen this before and I don't like it any of the times I'm seeing it but <laughs> well <laughs> plot, also you have device. you have you have you have Angelica Houston who clearly who is oblivious completely unaware or oblivious or not caring about even not even caring about him like 
they're screaming. They're, the way they treat each other is, is I think, a perfect example too. Like growing up in the time frame that we did, it's like I had, I knew a ton yeah, of parents. I still know a ton of parents that that treat each other this way because they're like, I don't believe in, you know, I'm gonna just stay with this person. It's like you are miserable. Uh, it's like this is miserable. Yeah. You are miserable <laughs> human beings. Like that to me, like a, you know, especially now, it's like watching that. It's like this perfectly captures that like late 90s or in this not necessarily late 90s but if we're to believe that this took place in 1998 um mm-hmm. in and around the 90s this perfectly accents the types of parents that i would run into uh at my friends houses and it's like just so it's it's a per, it captures it perfectly that's really where, what i'm getting at these archetypes I mean, were written you're perfectly. down the road honestly so in a mm-hmm. in a matter of speaking yeah. there's a road that can lead mm-hmm from buffalo to where you're yeah see it makes sense guys there's <laughs> also a, a canal so look at our you fucking know? map everyone there the is a Erie canal, canal. Also. The, the, the correct or, nope yeah okay we know it <laughs> um C- so what did you, so let me ask you this <laughs> so yes two tree finger lakes um so let me ask you this <laughs> two tree now if uh <laughs> tree fitty would you call would you call this how would you how would each of you categorize this movie if you had to give it one like genre without <laughs> using independent film without Stockholm syndrome film. Is it Stockholm syndrome? Stockholm syndrome the film. Well, if you want to okay, look at it like from it. Christina Ricci's perspective, even I like though it. the movie's like deliberately not showing a female perspective in it. So <laughs> right? She's like yeah. immediately taken by him, though. It's yeah. kind of insane. It's kind of insane. So oh, let man. me ask you this: Why do you think? Oh no, go ahead, Joey. Oh, I I definitely call this like a drama for sure, other than in the drama film. Yeah, just because so it's the, not like was... it's not specifically like it's not a comedy. Obviously, it's not I like... would you could do dark comedy. I would maybe say like know. dark, dark, dark. Though they'd be like elements, what do you mean? They'd be, elements. Yeah, yeah. Elements. There's comedic elements, but I wouldn't necessarily go comedy, for situations, situations, yeah, yeah. Like, situations. Like, like Fargo fucked clerks, you know, and had a baby. <laughs> maybe not entirely. Yeah, I mean that because there's that action. Works. I mean, one of them yeah. there's action and stuff, but this and, one's a lot more of like smaller situation but but you're right yeah dialogue driven but it is easy to follow that's why i was saying the stuff in the side fills is like if you want to notice like the classicism or whatever it's referencing you know the colors the camera the flashbacks all that stuff there's definitely more to it if you want to look at that and some people fucking don't you know and Mm -hmm. some people don't want over explanation of characters and whatnot so that's why the the way that it is just easy to say like it's it's an indie film you know or there's some comedy there's some drama independent like style 90s that gets the point across if you're like recommending it this is now the recommendation segment kind of thing where it's like another i'd have to know who i'm talking to and give them that like you know whatever 15 second uh elevator pitch of like it's an independent movie some comedy some drama dark subjects you know football that's it. <laughs> Upstate New York, New York. One of the one of the uh, one of the other things too, and this will not come as a surprise to the two of you, but for those listening that do follow David Lynch, there's a couple things in particular, and I would love to ask Vincent this as as far as his uh, creative choices for this. The two times that you see individuals exhibit art, 
like creative art outwards. So you have Ben Gazzara singing Fools Rashid, and you have Christina Ricci performing a tap dancing routine. And mm -hmm. it, it, David Lynch does this often, not only in Fire With Walk With Me, Blue Velvet, like even in Twin Peaks, there are elements where at certain times, the camera will pull back and a spotlight will go on the, on the individual that's performing. And it was interesting yeah. that, that that happened in, in both situations where both of those people completely separate uh, as far as like character types, they both had almost like this spotlight where they weren't aware of other other people around them. And what was also interesting is when Christina Ricci was sitting on the bed watching Ben Gazzara, also her face lit up where it's like there's these sparks of, of creativity and artwork and almost like like beauty within art that I feel like doesn't get seen outside of those three fucking moments. The whole movie is dark. It's just dreary and fucking like depressing. And it's those three moments. And it just so happens to be when there's creative expression, artistic creative expression, which, and, and she sees it because if you remember like when Christina Ricci was in the bowling alley, he doesn't see that. He doesn't, it's almost like he doesn't acknowledge it. Right. He, his yeah, face doesn't yeah. light up like, Oh fuck. Like, so as, as creepy as Ben Gazzara is in this, it's like, it, that interaction was was very I, I feel and again I don't know that much about movies but like I just feel like that that reeked of David Lynch to me in some represent representative form um, and it was interesting it was a very interesting choice because again it stuck out it contrasted the the remainder of those scenes um, because it dealt with art like you know expressive art performance art it's just very it was an inch very interesting choice to me yeah that's a good that's I didn't think of that <laughs> or the reasoning behind like noticing those moments though. Yeah. That was specifically. Yeah, Cause he only don't, those even three do times. When he's bowling. only those three times. The dude. bowling only sports the... don't count as art. Aha. See something like that. <laughs> well, I think it showed a difference then, between like, he was locked something... in. Remember he, it did, it yeah. did, it did do something when he was bowling, did... but it was almost, it was different. It was, it was it different. Was different. I don't, they did something I don't different. know. How... They, they, they also kind of do in like the strip club, like ending, you know, the whatever you want to call it, fake out ending or what actually happens there when the music's the raging, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. like, I mean, yeah, not just like the pot, like whatever that, that freeze frame, those moments and like shots were that were pretty awesome. <laughs> um, definitely like just like the camera, like focusing on like the faces. Of like mm -hmm. him and whoever, uh, whoever the Scott Norwood guy is, I think Scott Wood. Scott Wood, I believe, was what it, they called him. But wasn't that I, the name of like the quarterback? No, no. Isn't, Scott Nor Scott the name Norwood like... was the kicker. No, Scott Norwood yeah, was I... the actual kicker, but they had to change his name for the movie because they couldn't go around being like, "I'm gonna kill this guy." Right, but I'm but so what I think it is is the that ends up being still the name of like a guy that played football like uh maybe maybe before before then so like in the 70s or 80s there was like some dude named Scott Wood but he was like a quarterback or something. I remember looking that up being like that's not the kicker's name like who is this? And then for some reason that shit pops up and I was like no, the real guy. Get me out of here. So there is still a dude in the NFL at some point whose name was Scott Wood or whatever they said in the movie. Right. The character name. Yeah. Confusing no, for it, one and a half seconds. <laughs> no, it, go ahead, Joey. No, 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 no. I was just chuckling. You were chuckling. He, um, he, he's a chuckler. So, yeah. So, 
He is a chuckler. Um, no, this, uh, what did you guys, so what did you think of how Christina Ricci acted throughout this whole movie? Because from minute one, when they meet each other, he is treating her like fucking shit. And then remember, he turns on a dime. He's like, hey, do you have a quarter I can borrow? And she's like, yeah. Like, is she, is she innocent? Is that, is she intrigued? Like, what, because that was the other thing that I noticed too. Like, we're talking about like parental archetypes. It's like looking at how she was carved out, where it's, she was, was, was she kidnapped? Because we get to a certain point where he comes back to her, he apologizes, like whatever, like, mm-hmm. yeah. does it, it is, you mentioned, was it Florence Nightingale syndrome or whatever the fuck, like. Yeah, Stockholm what, syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. It, it, is, is she, d- does she truly thing. give yeah. a shit about him? Like what? Because it's it's interesting from minute one, literally their first and only interaction in that first part of the movie where she comes, she's in the dance studio in the hallway with the bathrooms, like, he is treating her like fucking garbage. And I will say that that moment when they go to the car and the fucking windshield's dirty and he's bitching at her and, like, making her wipe it up, I laughed so fucking <laughs> yeah, hard during that. that is, like, no, that part is so funny. What is this? A, That's this like, is a stick car? <laughs> dude, I've, I've definitely seen some shit like that in the Price Chopper parking lot. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> There's definitely there were a bunch of those parts though that were like, this is very darkly comedic. Like the way that he's just the way just like his fucking voice sounds like matching with like his fucking crazy looking face. I guess I don't know. Sometimes it's just like this dude sucks and he's having a shitty day and now it's funny. How does this come mm-hmm. together like this? I don't know. Yeah, I definitely uh, about Christina Ricci though. I think they purposely like don't give her the backstory. Like I said earlier about like not allowing a female perspective. It's all yeah. just kind of to show how Billy is. But th- but then that makes us like talk and discuss what the reasons behind her character. Pretty much making her the most interesting character in the movie. I would have to say mm-hmm. because because we don't have any explanation of why she is doing any of that shit. So why would you ask mm-hmm. that impossible question, Lou? I was kind of wondering about just... the whole movie though, like like what her like she, why she kept coming back or why why she stayed with him. She never left. She never like, left. Yeah, she never left, and she could have. She had multiple times where she could. Oh yeah, like right after least, the parents' yeah. house. Right after the bowling alley, she could have left as after the dude fucking, in Denny's. In Denny's, in Denny's. Dude. yeah, exactly. When they actually you had that blow up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, blow ups at Denny's that always happens. You know it. <laughs> well, how, how, how awkward was that whole thing? Hit, basically, dude. them running into what she believes is his ex, and he said it was her ex, <laughs> but it's not. I'm a it's Wendy not his ex. Too. Not at all. It's <laughs> so fucking crazy. Like how awkward every like I painfully awkward every single scene in this movie up until a point is painfully awkward for the viewer, and it's like even even uh-huh. even boiling it down to fucking Rocky like, you know Billy's friend is an idiot. You know what I mean? Like everything around this dude sucks. Like the dude, the yes, football it's, it scene. Also, it all because even he's a sucks. compulsive liar. Yeah. I mean, that's well, kind of what... that throughout the movie. The movie, it's like a running thing. He's always like, "Oh, I drive Cadillacs. I'm rich and shit." And then like, uh, shit, I can't remember all the other things. But there's like, there's oh yeah, when like he works, uh, dude, he works for the CIA. Well, that's that's for the her CIA. backstory. Says he 
he but told he, the parents he works, he works for, the for the government. Yeah, works for the yeah, government. Yeah. And then that, that girl was his ex, her, his, his ex-girlfriend. And, like, there's always, like, these little lies that he keeps doing to, like, make himself sound, like, better than he actually is. Just because he wants um, to, like, mask how sad his life really is, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, think dude. about it. The only real The only real interaction he has is with the dude who runs the bowling alley. Yeah, because that dude and, knows who and, he is, and Rocky, and he recognizes, and he sees him for who he is, and Rock, and and, and mm-hmm. Goon, yeah, and yeah, Goon. that's true, that's true, real yeah. interactions, yeah, and Jesus. maybe the very end with the like bakery owner dude. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess they that, didn't. I would say that's his first happy. Yeah, because that's right. They, they whole, they that's the first time him. he was happy in his whole life. But for probably. some reason, he really did just like pull a one eighty right there, and like I did. I did love that because right when that, you know, the actual like fake ending or whatever you want to call it happened, I was just like, oh man, that's such an obvious route to take in this fucking indie drama piece right here. Right? The main character kills the, the, I know. I was just like, holy I was like, holy shit or something. But like, <laughs> but dude, then when it, then when it like, however it did the zoom out, like square picture, whatever, like yeah. coming and going, you know, Microsoft PowerPoint kind of shit right there. Very cool though. Uh, I definitely was a little more like stoked on like, oh, cool. All right. They're not doing that. Instead, he just kind of like has the motivation to change or something. Maybe, you know, like mm-hmm. we've seen movies end like that as well. But like if the dude fucking kills himself, that's like the sappy, like feel bad for me ending. I don't think. uh And it's not Hollywood. This is indie filmmaking. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. <clears throat> I think I preferred the actual outcome you know i wouldn't want it to be any other way i guess yeah. i liked it i liked it even though it's like crazy fucking story and good or bad people like i i, I the that resolve was that. is like a really good resolve at the end it's a it. good resolve and it still doesn't give you enough to them be like what i, I wonder if they stay together after you know dude like, i'm not gonna talk lie. about it i thought he was gonna get back to the hotel room and then she she was gonna like be hanging or something like she killed herself or what yeah i thought then she was gonna kill herself because then yeah. i had trust issues after the fake out yeah i was like a bomb's gonna go off and everyone's gonna die like or or two. like when he was running across the street i'm like oh he's gonna get hit by a car and die like <laughs> <laughs> i was and then joey writes a song like about it happen. yeah exactly <laughs> i think too with uh with 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 Good goon thing. like what was also interesting is this dude is basically his only friend and he's an idiot but every at every single turn when vincent is going to make a horrible fucking decision goon is basically it's the only there. one that's like yeah dude okay. don't do that like don't do bad things you know like he's it, it that's kind of this kind of irony of of his entire character where it's like they wrote they wrote him to be a fucking simpleton you know basically what does he live upstairs with his parents in like a fucking broom closet like, like that, he's, an, he's, a, he's, he's, he's an idiot he's an idiot but like he knows enough to know when shit is wrong like even with the whole betting <laughs> thing it's like don't do that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's all of those things that it's just like why would you bet all that money like Dude, just, that's a friend everybody don't needs. Go- i know Correct. that's and true yeah <laughs> that's true friendship it's it's great though when he does that that 180 and like acknowledges it and calls him back and he's like I'm sorry I was mean to you I'll call you whatever you want like you're my best friend like blah 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 like yeah he, but then when he, he even 180 I want all my like... shit back you're not touching anything well that that's funny as fuck though I mean that was <laughs> that was that, I that, think was, that illustrates it's like he's still the same person he's still the same person that, yes, in that way he's gonna bust yeah. his balls because 
Rocky's such a fucking goddamn boulder that he probably would go to the bowling alley well, trying to root is, around. It I is mean, still I mean. more realistic in that way that he doesn't like completely change everything about his personality on a dime just from like imagining what could happen after killing a guy. Consequences, you know, like I don't think that would make any fucking sense. Still got to be a little bit he also, of that. <laughs> he also he also probably knows too that if he just topped off the conversation with like, I'm so sorry, I'll call you whatever you want. You're my best friend, blah, blah, blah. If he hung up the phone, Rocky would be at that bowling alley the next day asking for fucking keys to take all the shit. He's probably knows. <laughs> he's like, no, this dude, he's, he's, he can feel and he has emotions and intuition, but he's still a fucking moron. I need to tell him to stay out of my shit. Don't go and take my bowling ball. Cause I'll break well, your fucking yeah, legs. He, you know what I mean? He basically or, needed that last, like that last kind <clears> of <throat> whatever, you know, since he didn't really, say anything to Christina Ricci when he was leaving the room there. I think he needed that last person to kind of just be like, hey, I'm I'm gonna kill myself. (laughs) In a dark way. Like, that was what that phone call was, at least. Yeah, Yeah, it was like a goodbye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that was the one person he kind of chose to, like, give any bit of anything to. Mm -hmm. And it's the dude. And isn't that the interesting dynamic there is if his parents don't care about him or treat him like shit or whatever you want it to be. The only other person who remotely would give a shit about him is Rocky. And then he just treats him the way that he's being treated, basically. Like that through the bitch and party. What? Yeah, dude, we're blood brothers. (laughs) (laughs) He's in movies. He's in movies. He is in in movies. Dang, Nabbit. Yes, uh, he's also he was also on like Grounded for Life for like ten years on TV. He's done it all, you guys. Show some respect for Rocky the Goon. Don't call him the mm-hmm. Goon. <laughs> call me Rocky more. But it's definitely a little <laughs> bit interesting, you know, saying how Christina Ricci's the light and the innocence, and however like much we're led to just assume that she is from not going. And running away from him immediately or any chance she could get, then like the only other constant person that, you know, knows him or whatever in his life is Rocky. And he just treats him like crap and calls him stupid or whatever and calls him bad names all the time. Who knows what he's like in real life or not? Well, I, I, it's funny you mention that because I have a couple interviews that we'll get to here in a moment, um, which may or may not (laughs) shed some light on that. Um, But, uh, but I guess here's, here's the question, you know, do either, either of you have any, you know, parts of this movie you want to speak to. I know we covered a lot of ground. I talked a shitload, um, pontificated on certain fucking things in this movie, but like, do either of you have any other bits that you wanted to like mention? Cause there's a lot that happens in this movie for a movie that doesn't have a lot that happens in the movie. <laughs> Dude. If that all I gotta sense. say, Accurate. Is, uh, it really sucks when you have to pee and you go out in the cold and Vincent Gallo is really good at bowling. <laughs> he is very good at bowling. He's very good at bowling. <laughs> Let's except go bowling, for, dude. Except for when he gets off his game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on a roll there, or whatever he says. Uh, yeah, I've. Geez, I feel like it's mostly just like any little like amusing part where the when they're first watching the Bills game. Or, or when they first come inside and like you see the TV, like Angelica Houston at some point goes like, "Ooh, there's OJ Simpson." That's a. Oh. That's well, you a... want to hear the craziest part about the craziest that part about that well. is she, she is she is watching. We're led to believe because remember, even when they have like the flat, when he has like the the whole like forward thinking like fake 
nightmare fantasy sequence, she is always watching a Bills game or yeah. listening to a Bills game on the radio. Yeah. The crazy mm-hmm. thing is that game that they're watching at dinner is a taped game that previously it's had occurred. She's not watching game. live football. It's just the same game because, again, it highlights that obsession where it's like, we were so close. It's like, y'all lost four times in a row. Yeah. You just couldn't close it at that big that is, fucking game. It sucked. Dude, that's one thing it I noticed sucked. throughout the movie, man. I was, I was like, kind of Always. thinking, she's, she, she seems like she's got, like, early dementia almost, you know? And, like, it's like, Something. it's almost like, it's like 51st yeah. dates, dude. I'm <laughs> telling have, you, man. She's got to have if, the same day. She's got to watch the, the Bills game, like, the Bills game that she couldn't watch or whatever because her son was born and the Bills lost. <laughs> but if she yes. made it to that game, then yes. they would have won. Yeah. Think about that, so. dude. Think about mm-hmm. how fucked up that is to say that to your kid. Yeah, yeah seriously. Like, you know I, I mean? wish I, I wish I didn't give birth to you because I could have I could have gone to that game. <laughs> That's fucked up. It's insane. And I it's def- like for those. I've definitely had a, a for... friend's parent say something like that to them before. <laughs> oh jeez. For those <laughs> for those people that do not live in New York State that are listening to this, you're obviously <laughs> aware of the term Bills Mafia. That for those of who have never been to a Bills game, have been to many. It is a thing. It's a fucking cult, dude. Like it, it's an obsession, and it's cool. Yeah. Like I'm obsessed with my team, but that's a different. First, again, it highlights this idea again: depressed city, you know, team that never is able to fucking come out with a big win. Like they don't have anything there, and it's I don't know. It's the the perfect fucking like roll up of everything that, that every vibe that that city exudes is. It's insane. It's absolutely wild. So. My question for both of you, um, we'll start with you, Joey. Would you recommend this movie? And if yes, why would you recommend it? You don't, you just a single sentence mm. is fine. You don't have to go into the whole fucking well, diatribe. I, I'm going to go into a little bit of a diatribe of what you said. Um, diatribe. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, only because it's a lot of movie to watch if you're just like going to tell somebody to watch a movie. If you if you know somebody is is like into this kind of thing, like into like the more artsy movies, perhaps, then yeah, a hundred percent, I'd I'd recommend this. Like if you haven't seen this, watch this movie. And you're, if you're into this kind of thing, if not, then I I don't know if everybody would like this. You know, like everybody will have some sort of appreciation for it, whether it be like the cinematography or or the story. But like, it's not like a movie that everybody's gonna be able to sit through and like grasp even though it's a simple movie, you know, just because there's so many like different avenues that, you know, happen like throughout this guy's life. It's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to picture that. That's kind of depressing or some shit, you know, it's like, yeah, not everybody's going to relate, like want to watch something like that, but I do, I do recommend it, I guess at the end of the day, if you're into this. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in, in, in a more of an artsy movie, yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of said the word recommend earlier and like accidentally said very similar things where it was like, yeah, I just have to kind of spell out that it's an independent film and like give, you know, a little heads up on the plot, yeah. I guess. But I wouldn't really mention like the jutting in and out of like past, you know, events or like you know a little past scenes or whatever yeah trauma right you know like that's the that's just kind of the tone and like what it's going for honestly so i would just Mm -hmm. have to be like it's an independent 
drama movie uh character piece like this one dude kind of does the whole thing but there's definitely comedic tones classicism tones it's nice uh whatever i said before about the colors (laughs) (laughs) just give them a little heads up on that and know yeah like if if there's people that only watch action movies like okay then no <laughs> you gotta know who likes their indies and not. That's yeah. basically it. Because even before, I think when I was gonna say that, and I didn't, or actually, I think when I was talking about that, I didn't mention, but I was thinking about it just from probably looking at all these other characters that are in this. But it of like not not understanding the main character or something at first. Like if if are they a bad guy or not? You know, are they an asshole or not? It definitely reminded me of Trees Lounge for a minute because I remember I said that, dude. All right, back yeah. when oh, I first dude, that was nice. gonna that was right? gonna be the big reveal at the end of this episode, Mike. You son of a bitch. <laughs> that was just... the whole fucking reveal at the end <laughs> of this fucking movie, dude. That was <laughs> gonna be what I was gonna tell you guys. That was that's the ultimate reason because I was gonna be like, what does this movie remind you of? That was gonna be my <laughs> last fucking question. Dead fucking serious, dude. Dead dude, serious. Well, wow. I got, I couldn't probably answer it that well because I still think I still don't know with that movie, like if he is or not. Like Steve Buscemi's so good, and everyone else seems like a fucking asshole. And then it's just like Long Island instead of Buffalo. Like there's the similarity, you know, the Venn diagram there of just like knowing Steve Buscemi it- is like a solid dude and does all these other movies is like what lends to that over. Vincent Gallo, who has like everyone he's worked with say certain things of a overly artistic person, you know, it's just you didn't do enough to prove your innocence, homie. Like we all know Steve's good and you don't need to worry about the fucking character. But this one, like this movie, ugh, ugh, I don't know, dude, it's so back and forth where yeah. you're like you're like, fuck this dude and not, you know, and I, I'm leaning towards understanding it a little better than the Trees Lounge ones, where I'm just like, man, he is an alcoholic, but he has the resolve or the redemption, or at least he claims <laughs> what should have been I the think, speech over our intro of our song. <laughs> I think to a certain degree, it's it's the idea of everyone, everyone in those movies, both those movies, for the most part, not everyone, but the main focal points around the, the central character are assholes. Yes. It just so happens, the, to me, the question is, are these lead characters the least shitty assholes? That, I think, is like one of the big distinctions where it's like both, both Steve Buscemi and Trees Lounge and Vincent Gallo in this, they are assholes. But yes, it seems yes. to be everyone else around them, with some minor exceptions, are also fucking pieces of shit for their right. own reasons. Like, So it's like it's it kind of plays, I think, to to that element with the viewer where it makes them question that. Like, fuck, am I rooting for a bad guy right now? Is he yes, really that? Like, I know. I'm justifying this shitty behavior because of X, Y, and Z. Yes. But, this, but at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> exactly. Billy, it's like Billy still fucking kidnapped someone. Like, yes. We cannot, we cannot get away from that. In the same sense that Steve Buscemi in fucking Trees Lounge. Yeah, kisses the definitely, like, 16-year-old or whatever the hell. Oh, the touchy or whatever. I, I don't know what the final thing was. If they they made out and maybe there was over the yeah. shirt, you know, yeah. under the panties, whatever the fuck. It's the the that's the whole thing where it's like, are they are they bad people or are they just oh. the least bad people in a pool of bad people? You know, like it's an I've, interesting fucking. Yeah, question. I I feel like the best I could say is that 
in both those movies, it seems like everyone is but has their asshole leadness. <laughs> but it doesn't make people that do bad things aren't always bad people. That's the sentence. And I'm not saying that for these char- for any of these characters in this. I'm just saying that's the struggle of me understanding Steve Buscemi's Tommy, the Tommy character uh, mm-hmm. in Trees Lounge a little. Mo- that's the one where it's like he seems like he's an asshole, but like then me looking at all the other people and the way they treat him and you only get a certain amount of backstory for some of them, you know, it seems like he has done a lot of assholey things and like had a spiral, but the whole, like, however many years it is before when he's with the girl and like everyone knows, like, you know, they hang out with the family. It seems like he was like totally fine and normal for a really Mm. long time. And then some shit happened. Like, that's the most human thing I've ever heard of. That was the thing. This is so human. All of these people in this, like everybody knows all these same thing with this movie. Everyone knows somebody like these kinds of characters or these stereotypes or whatever you want to call that you're doing to these people in these movies. But, but you know, yeah, the, 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 the bad things that they do in it <laughs> determined by the viewer are, are the struggle of me overall of me uh, like, defining that overall and in in this one it's definitely way too back and forth where i'm a little more of like ah he has a lot of like ass ass holy nature to him but but there's the redemption at the end so like does it even do we even need to talk about it for that long (laughs) (laughs) nope but i drew the conclusion or the connection with trees on so i feel like i had to go on a little spiely poo there Cause that one fucking Good. bugged me. I felt like I was telling you guys about that like years ago for so long where I was like, you guys need to watch this movie now before we even had a podcast, <laughs> just watch this to mm-hmm. tell me is this guy like the asshole or not. I was like, I want to understand the movie more. Cause I think it's really good. And I love this dude and everything yeah. he does. Like, Holy, it's the same thing too. He wrote it. He directed it. He starred in it. Like, New York, you know, yeah, the Venn diagram between this and that, like, good, bravo, Lou, props. Sorry that I ruined it, but I'm, like, really smart and stuff, so. <laughs> he gets in no, the No, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I did not I'm glad, have I'm... any idea. I just <laughs> Dude, legitimately, like, the first 30 minutes, like, everything is an asshole from, uh, from Billy, basically. And then, like, you have, like, second act, like, telling you why he is and then third act is like the transition of like the two paths divide you can go down this one or you can go down this one and they show us both of them which is why it's so fucking good but also like hard to figure out as like yeah yeah, dude like fucking i that shit yeah you got me man (laughs) great job great job i i was just thinking right away like the half an hour mark i'm just like this is very much like fucking steve shimmy and tree slams why am I always thinking about him? This is, I should get help. You know, looking at Vincent Gallo, like dead on, he just looks like a fucking New Yorker. <laughs> he just, his face just screams New York. Is it the hair? Is it the, is it the patchy it's facial everything. hair? Everything. It's just everything. Yeah. The attitude. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> all of the above uh so so yes lou did you have uh, some some final questions thoughts there 
Uh, I don't have any final questions. After I, I ruined segue. the Trees Lounge thing, so... No, 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 no that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. The, uh, the I was going to go into some of the interviews that I've uh, that I kind of stumbled across that I think gives some context into perfect. some of the subjects that we've been dancing around. Um, so the first, the first one I want to read you is... So this was pulled from... It's a print magazine called Artform, and uh, the author was Dale Peck, this was uh, put in their spring or their summer 1998 print issue. Um, and Dale goes on to say, he goes, quote, in interviews, Gallo seems to indicate that his primary, indeed only intention with Buffalo 66 was to get the damn thing made. Despite the obstacles created for him by producers or technicians, he insisted on shooting in difficult to print 35 millimeter reversal stock or even by his parents. You yep. told him years ago that he'd never be an actor. He was too ugly. Buffalo 66 is, as much as anything, a monument to the idea of artistic perseverance. Now, I want to then read an actual interview because I thought that that was a very interesting look at the movie itself. This dude literally is like, I am making this movie. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how annoying it's going to be to shoot on 35 millimeter. We are making this fucking movie the way that I envision it to be made. And there's something to be said for somebody's perseverance and or kind of their drive at that point so oh, yeah the second the second interview uh well i guess the actual interview that i found that i wanted to talk about here this was uh pulled off of uh cavezadi.com uh there was no indication as to when this uh had occurred but it looks like he met vincent in san francisco um while he was promoting brown bunny which i believe was 2003 um, so it kind of led me to believe that that was when this was published, but anyway, um, here we go. So Vincent Gallo says, quote, you know, I was booed within two minutes at Kane's. I mean, it was booed loudly from the first two minutes. I heard that, but I couldn't figure out why anyone would boo. All I could come up with was that maybe it had something to do with the opening credits. What made you decide to start the film with a title card that read a film written, directed and edited? edited and produced by Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo goes on to say, I wanted to take it away from the marginal film world. I didn't want it to appear like an independent film or like an art film. But why would the title card make it seem like it's not an independent film? Because it was preceded by a title card that read Gray Daisy Films Presents. It was a fake company, as if that meant something, as if it, I had an establishment, but it was just a focus card. That's a f focus cue in the center. The concept was to create an iconic opening or short of a historical opening. It was, the, it was an aesthetic decision. It seems like people mis misunderstand what you do, and it seems like a lot of things you do get misperceived. With the whole sex thing, people are so suspicious about your motivation. And Zagallo says, I know, suspicion is a good word. You're the first person that used that word, and I think that word says it all, suspicion. There was a Belgian filmmaker who insulted me about the opening credits, and at one point I just, had, I just said to him, you know what, man? You live in a fucking country where you show up at your own pace, at your own time. A country where there's no real chaos and no real risk. Try and make a fucking movie in America and see what it's like, fucking asshole. So I want to read you a, a, a little piece of, uh, in that same interview, um, the interviewer, Cave Zadia, I believe I'm butchering that name. He asks him, just basically addresses Vincent about how he might rub the people the wrong way. Vincent Gallo says, quote, so I'm crude and ruthless when it comes to protecting an idea, a philosophical concept, an aesthetic sensibility, a point of view or a political ideal at the risk of becoming the most unpopular person in the world. 
However, when it comes to myself, I have no mechanism to take care of myself, nurture myself, protect myself. I would drive to North, North Dakota to fix a vintage guitar, have it repaired, and when I get slammed into by a taxi and broke six ribs in my sternum, I walk to the hospital rather than take the ambulance because I knew it would cost $300 for the ambulance. I have some stupid martyrdom thing that it's so sick, you know? So when I'm doing q and I'm not thinking about honesty. I'm just not thinking about, I'm thinking about, I'm not thinking about honesty. I'm just not thinking about protecting myself because I don't feel like I have anything to lose. And the last piece, it's about just art in general. There, the interviewer asked, says to him or asked him, so you're defining art as purposefulness. Benzigal says, yes, which is genius. It's a very esoteric thing to do something without any purpose. That's very, very deep. When people do things like that effectively, it's quite impressive. But I have more of a purpose because I'm a small-minded person. I don't feel like I have broad objectivity. So in a sense, my best work would be interesting would be more interesting than me for or reasons for doing it. But I don't get hung up, caught up in a philosophical concepts, especially in a socio-political way. That they're usually, uh, there's usually inspiration for screenplays, as was the case for Buffalo 66 and the Brown Bunny. In Buffalo 66, the idea of this extremely misguided victim who saw himself as a victim in the most unreasonable, unrealistic ways. That his life transforms the minute he takes responsibility for his own life in a direct political statement. A very uncomfortable one for many people because socialists feel quite opposed to that. One cannot blame anyone for the results or one cannot blame anyone for the results of behavior because it's not about blame. But one can't help feeling that certain things are avoidable. And in noticing that things are avoidable without judgment, completely without judgment, I wanted to create scenarios that felt like they could have been avoidable without any judgment as to how they could have been avoided. So I wanted to show something that was unfortunate without any judgment, and that's pretty subtle. There's a pr that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> more of the story. Vincent Gallo, he's really great at speaking his mind. He has no idea of how to protect himself and will go to all costs to achieve whatever he needs to do um, and can rub people the wrong way. And when it comes to art, it's about creating, it's about doing things without intention but still reaching the point of an original piece of intention um that was kind of my takeaway of this which sounds dude, confusing kinda, because it is that's kind of punk rock that's dude exactly exactly so it was very interesting to see that kind of cross-section into his mind a little bit um and go through because the interview is actually huge the, this interviewer to, to get backstory on this the it, the the person who sat down with him Basically preface this, like I said, it was during Vincent Gallo's like promotion, like U.S. promotion of uh, Brown Bunny. But he said that like Vincent Gallo was driving around the country in a car by himself to promote this movie. <laughs> and he just like sat <laughs> yeah. down and like talked to him. So it's just like so it's interesting to me, like you have like a straight up punk rocker indie guy who's just like, I'm doing this for the sake of doing. I'm doing this because there's a vision there, even if it's not this fully conceptual uh, hyper whatever deep thing it's just they're very simple concepts and i'm i'm putting my effort into this and i want to get this out there at whatever the cost is like i don't know i i found that to be pretty interesting for me um especially when it came to like putting together this film and just learning a little bit more about how he treats art and and what his visions are when it comes to the actual execution of, of certain visions uh and uh and his overall like body of work <laughs>
Yeah. Very profound. So, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Definitely ma- makes you see it, see it <laughs> a little differently than just a guy you only know from one thing. So then you wonder if he's really like that in real life or not. <laughs> Definitely well, can get also- deeper than that because that's probably what everyone just jumps to a conclusion like that and doesn't look into it any deeper. That's most of what it well, is think usually. About, think about this way. That's where it's interesting. That last little bit just about art being purposeless or defining art as purposeless. Earlier in the interview, he's talking about the title card. And people are like, well, what the fuck? Like, why did that? That was gratuitous. Like, did you need to do that? And he's like, no. He's like, if you think about it, there's a production company, which it basically to the viewer, it says there is a production company behind this. That's not a real production company. It's literally just a point to draw your eyes to. That doesn't exist. Gray Daisy Films is not real. <laughs> I wanted to illustrate to people this. I, I did this like. I, I got this cast together. I was a pain in the fucking balls, you know, to my, you know, to my staff and they're bitching about how I wanted to film it like true creative genius and or menace, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to get a little bit of a look behind the veil uh, when we'll it comes to this, to, to him. And, yeah. You know, he so, seems like he'll go to the ends of the earth to get, the vision out there yeah yep even Relatable. if he has to walk to a hospital as he uh you know right. after breaking his you know fucking sternum <laughs> in six ribs or whatever <laughs> like because he doesn't because he can't he can't pay for it he can't pay for the fucking you know the ride to the hospital in the ambulance like i mean that's a realistic just, way of looking at it for sure <laughs> I, th- I think in a lot of ways too it grounds you know when i, I feel like when it comes to hollywood because this reception, you know, he's putting it in at like film festivals. He's not showing up in fucking Syracuse, New York and being like, here's the local film festival. He's submitting these to like the most prestigious art film award shows and or groups of judges out there. Canes mm-hmm. getting booed at Canes. He had enough of an oomph behind him and he had enough of a vision to understand like, I'm going to create something that's good. And to have that, it just grounds him a little bit. I think that's, that's really what I'm getting at with that point is mm-hmm. it, it brings it more into the realm of like, he seems to be a normal guy. He was born in Buffalo, New York. Like he puts together this movie and he's not so high up on the list. Nothing against these other filmmakers that have this body of work and that are not, you know, worried about spending $300 on a fucking ambulance ride. It's like, this dude is just doing it. And I think there's something to be said for that, especially when his movie made it to Canes, you know, it was submitted and it was shown at Canes. You, I, I feel like the, you can, most people, not most people, filmmakers, if they reach a certain X, Y, and Z, I'm sure there's some threshold you have to reach. Anyone, quote unquote, anyone can submit films to Canes. The fact that this was played at Canes alone, that is incredible. And it was booed. So it's not like he's just like, I'm going to submit it to everything from the Syracuse Film Festival with the Canes. It's like, no, I'm going for the throw on this one. You know what I mean? Like, and it was accepted and played. Like, that's just, that's impressive. Yeah, we've seen other uh, independent filmmakers do similar things. Or we've talked about other ones. Troy Duffy, Boondock Saints, Mm -hmm. about a year ago. Yeah. Very similar idea and very same thing of like a lot of people just immediately jumping to conclusions or judgment on like, 
being an asshole or having of a nature or uh, I forget what you said, a menace, menace or not, or something like that. Yeah. Menace. Like, he's a, yeah, he's well, a menace. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have this, they have this thing they want to get out there. And like, we, it's the same thing with musicians too. When you hear about a lot of musicians being like pricks when fans meet them or something, it's just like the idea from this movie. What if you meet someone on the worst fucking day of their life? Maybe they aren't going to be the most chipper, brightest, like, human being out there you know this is just a little reach into one day and it's that's so interesting hearing all of that from him and seeing people view that the same like just immediate i don't know conception or misconception of like what the character seems like i guess kind of just yeah i don't know does make it a little more real and grounded and and how and you can and how can you hate somebody for doing that? I guess at that point where it's just like you know what I don't know what really happened behind the scenes or whatever how people are when they you know have a crew or whatnot but got a thing done it's out there it's a movie now it's gonna be a movie forever he uh, he he succeeded maybe at the end of the day not to the mm-hmm. heights that he was hoping possibly but. <laughs> Got it know. done. I don't know. Got it out there. You got dude. it done. Got a million no, I, uh, bucks to make a movie. That's independent movies in the nineties, right there. Jeez. <laughs> I really, uh, I really like this movie a lot, and I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I got to talk about it with you guys. So yeah, I know Mike. If you got any facts? I got some facts, but also I wanted to just say the title card thing for people listening. Now, this is the nineties. Like, this is not like a twenty-four independent. This is like a dude. That was the whole. <laughs> That was the whole thing yeah. Lou was getting at. That's, that's how it was back then. Definitely mm-hmm. no A24 card popping up in the beginning. Uh, just a little nudge, nudge, like, you fucking kidding me, everybody? That's pretty, yeah. I don't know if it's... Pretty like punk so rock, much, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know if it's so much just like punk rock. Is like, I mean, it it is if you want to, if you know, if you want to get into what it is and isn't in punk rock and just go on for twenty four hours straight because that's always a fun one with people. But like, you have a vision, you're going towards it, not letting anybody get in your way, not purposely trying to like harm anybody in your path. You know, that's mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it too because there may be some facts about people that he worked with not being so stoked about working with him <laughs> oh which, you don't say which is uh yeah i mean uh, who even knows let's just take this quote from a 2017 interview that christina rishi did so more recent look back at this being asked uh, by a reporter was vincent gallo difficult to work with on buffalo 66 and she and uh so she says uh she insisted her mother who was her chaperone at the time not come around the film set uh because apparently he would just regularly scream at her during the shoot who knows if she's trying to get people into character who knows what that's about but when the reporter asked if she had thought a situation like that being a very young pretty much 17 year old woman working almost alone with somebody who's seemingly creepy would be allowed on sets these days in 2017. And she says back, quote, just because he's bad at hiding it doesn't mean other people aren't really good at hiding it. Everybody's creepy. He just happens to be really loud about it. And he's not even that creepy. He's just kind of a jerk, but he's not lascivious. Lascivious is a word. And end quote, uh, by the way, lascivious is a word that basically means like sexual in nature 
And she just said he's not, which is what uh, is recently why he is in the news, apparently, because this was 2017 and he's doing some new movie that he's working on with James Franco, who's been known to be called many of those things as well, but is also in a million fucking movies dating back to like 99. So views of people, we all have Mm. them. Some of them are different. Some of them are the same. And Christina Ricci worked with him and said something very similar to that. She also around a similar time, but not with the same uh, interview, just another fact from IMDb said uh, they asked something about the brown bunny and there and like followed it with, have you seen that? And she basically said, I'm not interested in seeing any of his work ever again. So yeah, real, real up and down basically, but there's just one, there's just one. That's just one. But she also, you know, had some pretty reasonable, like, things to say that could make sense. Would you rather have somebody that's hiding it for years and years and years? Like, I don't know. You know, double-edged sword sometimes. It's tough. There's a whole sad fact. Let's get into some more happy. Nah, nothing's happy because it's all filmed around Buffalo, New York, and that's why it looks like shit. Because it is, people. (laughs) There's a few locations that were, like, maybe an hour or so short. Or uh, south, uh, getting more towards the Pennsylvania border. I think it's like Lackawanna or something was the name of one of the places. Yep. I don't know. Pretty much everything is filmed like in Buffalo, though. For anybody that's always curious about that, I thought an interesting factoid is that he's credited by doing all of the, or Vincent Gallo is credited as doing all the music. So, any score that you hear, not. Yeah. Three songs, not, dude. Three songs. Yeah, not King Crimson and Yes, which were apparently bands that had songs in this, but there's some other ones because he's a he is a musician. He's known for being a New York musician as well before or at the time of like this movie coming out. 90s stuff, basically. How he maybe, maybe got money to get here. <laughs> Um, but I do got to say the song heart of the sunrise by yes. That's in the strip club scene. Like, holy fucking shit, dude. That's a fucking song. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you guys like, there's like an 11 minute version, like of that song that's on that, whatever that yes album is. I mean, it's yes. Why am I? Everybody yeah, knows enough they're not called. There. No, they're called. Yes. Yeah. I'm doing this in a very <laughs> roundabout way. All right, I'll see you. That's it. <laughs> Roundabout. Somebody yes for everyone who doesn't know. There's Joey. Uh, where's the keyboard? Dude, they played Owner of a Lonely Heart in Hanford the other day. Never heard that in there. And I was like, okay, I'm down. Nice. I'll take it. Much nice. better than another song. <laughs> Some more facts. Uh, the house that Billy Brown's parents live in in the film is the very same house Vincent Gallo lived and grew up in with his parents. Interesting. Wow, that's pretty cool. Another quick fact. Christina Ricci choreographed her tap dance scene in the bowling alley, the spotlight artistic moment part. Nice. Apparently that's she's got cool. some background. Apparently she's got some skill. Who knew? Who knew that lady had some skill like that? Uh, all of us. She's very talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knows by now. So uh, another funny one, which was also uh, ties into the 
probably one of the funniest lines, but five minutes of Mickey Rourke being in this movie. Uh, what kind of an idiot would bet on Buffalo to win like that? That's <laughs> that's a great thing that he said that still holds up to this day. But also, <laughs> wide right, um, apparently Mickey Rourke was going through tough times in career and finances around this point uh, of his career. And according to an interview, he stated that Vince Gallo offered him a small part in this movie and paid him with $100,000 in a paper bag. <laughs> nice. That's pretty the, awesome. So, so, you know, who, who knows what Mickey Rourke is like in real life, also in a million fucking movies. And maybe this kind of helped that little John Travolta comeback that he needed to get the wrestler like a decade down the line. But... Somebody did good on him, Vincent Gallo, you know, help somebody out who's going through a tough time. That's not that assholey. Oh. $100,000 mm-hmm. is a lot of money. In a paper bag. In a paper bag. That's just the, yeah, I know. That's, that's a. Uh, that's the New York in him, I guess. That's right? Exactly. That's a very fucking New York thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have, uh, I don't have too many other things here. I think this, the last fact I thought was fun because we were mentioning Kevin Corrigan, Rocky the Goon, a role that he originally turned down because he was a little uncomfortable with it. Later, he changed his mind and asked for the role back and Gallo hired another actor to play that role, but apparently fired him and rehired Kevin Corrigan. After the filming and all was said and done and the film was shown, Corrigan was still uncomfortable with his performance and asked to be uncredited. So he is technically in imdb with the parentheses uncredited all the way at the bottom and what it's really one of the first like movies that he actually has more than like a line or two in so that's a very interesting choice for him to do back then in the 90s Uh done a fuck ton since then so you know clearly didn't really make or break his career at all but just thinking about it back then like oh man he was in like trees lounge and like that was fucking it that's really you know, you wouldn't want to be uncredited. Usually you want to help get your next role or something, put it in the real, as they say. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, that's the, you know, just going on IMDb or something to look some stuff up. A lot of things I was typing in weren't too friendly to find because it's an indie movie. And sometimes unless you just get an interview with Vincent Gallo, you're not going to find every little thing out about this movie, but I think we shared a good amount of, uh, facty info surprisingly me and Lou and Joey listened to us, which is very kind yeah. of him. Yeah. You're learning. I, I love learning, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You take it. ILL. In, he's the sponge of the group, but one more fact to maybe lead into what we would do occasionally of fact trivia so that I can make sure somebody gets to, Play first in the real game. The real match. Yeah. Just like a motorhead. You know, like, yeah, the PowerPoint transition where like the little like, you know, trivia time, like words pop up in like a cool font that's on fire. Looks like the offsprings, like kind of, you know, the 90s. No use for a name symbol. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. For what, what? What was even? What did I was just <laughs> thinking of? What is that? What is that song? The, what is that Motorhead song? Now nah, I'm gonna be here for too long. Can't do that. <laughs> they have a lot. Of, they have a lot of it's, songs. It's Ace of Spades, dude. No, I mean probably, but no, this one. Was... <laughs> I mean probably. 
No, it's the it's it's no the, class. No, it's not no because no, you were doing like yeah, that's what it sounded like you were doing. Dude, but why am I thinking that it's like bomber or fucking something? It wasn't even Motorhead. It was fucking. It was a U.S. It was Dead Kennedy, isn't? Oh, that's what it was. For those that are listening, U.S. Outpost Thirty One is the first track on our Fury Sessions EP, which you can check out on Bandcamp along with our latest album, We Believe in Steve, which was the other EP. It is on. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. We got two EPs I'm plugging right now, dude. It's called yeah, yeah. the other EP. <laughs> oh, it is called the other EP. <laughs> yeah. We recorded that. We recorded that with Don. Now we have three EPs that we've mentioned. Um, get, check us out gets, on Bandcamp. It gets very confusing at this point in time. Everyone, just go to good get the Bandcamp. Go to the Instagram Lurking Class Band. Instagram. <laughs> Find the link tree. The link tree will lead you to all things. Us. Lurking yes. class. <laughs> Slay rock and roll. Uh, so the the fact that leads into <laughs> trivia is was surprisingly just about that guy, the character Scott Woods, being based off Buffalo Bills place kicker Scott Norwood, and yeah. apparent. And what they say here, which I feel like everyone's gonna know, so I might have another question or two for you. But it says he missed the game winning field goal in. A Super Bowl. Do you guys know? I don't know if this was the. I think this was the one that was on TV that Lou was saying, because it doesn't really make sense with the timeline. But you guys want to guess what number Super Bowl it was? <laughs> oh my god, I have no fucking idea. I'm I know, but uh, I'll, no. I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> I'll say it was Super Bowl. Super Bowl twenty two. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty-seven. Ooh, I'm gonna go with Super Bowl thirty-one. Super Bowl twenty-seven, Super Bowl thirty-one. All right, now before we get to the fact, the other question of this is: I already know you, who's right. Do you know what? <laughs> I already know who's right. You already. None of you. Super Bowl thirty two was it was between the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers, and which oh, the Denver Broncos won. So just do. That's why I know. I don't know if I'm right. I'm just saying I know is if you're looking at closer <laughs> proximity. If we're doing no, no, know, no, yeah, if we're yeah. doing fucking prices right. Yes, yeah, it's it's twenty five is what I've gathered. But all I was gonna say is, did you guys know the date? Because they were talking about his birthday and stuff mm. like that, but. Not that one, not the '66 Super Bowl or whatever, because that wouldn't have the right, Super Bowl right. didn't exist back then, or or did it? It was called something else, like right? Wasn't that the whole? No, it existed well, back then. No, it would have been Super Bowl because the league was 1960. So it, okay, so it was one, it was one of the first ones then. Okay, yeah. then, but still, so do you guys know what year the date of this Super Bowl was that the, the, the uh, Scott Norwood? shanked to the wide right like literally as time's running out basically how adam vinatieri single-handedly beat the rams in the super bowl in like 2000 which ruined my entire life was it was it fucking 75 1975 it was definitely not 75 what do you think lou that's what joey just guessed i guess i guess in 25 <laughs> years after fucking thing i don't i don't know if it was super bowl lou. 25 so so my my, my guess was going to be like 92 Right, because why wouldn't it be? Because it was 91, 
the year the Redskins clobbered them, but apparently the beginning of the curse was this one, January 27th, 1991. Once this guy missed that field goal, that was the start so was of, a, of the four-year loss. Season. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's why I was. That's what I was going to say. It gets confusing. It was the 1990 season, and only a few years before that, I think they were still playing the Super Bowl like around New Year's. But as I was growing up, it was always like the weekend after my birthday. And one of the big stories. Yeah, one of the big stories of Lou just mentioning it right there was my dad saying, oh, I had a son and the day after the Redskins won the Super Bowl, I brought him home from the hospital, which was my dad's birthday, you know, a few days later. But he's a he was a Redskins fan, you know, now the Washington Commanders or whatever they're going as these days. Back Mm -hmm. then, it was the Redskins who clobbered the Bills. So that was always his little tidbit of saying, you know, basically saying how he wasn't as shitty as uh, Angelica Houston in this movie, I guess. Like. (laughs) <laughs> what kind of meth? Uh, the scary kind. Oh, blue, the blue Dude. kind. Yeah, I'm doing that. That blue, no, no, no. blue scary. <laughs> Dude, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, so 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 Lou, the Redskins one winning was the '91 season that happened in '92. This one was January 27th, '91, of the '90 nice. season, which is like, yeah. So, are we then led to believe though that it was like, was this just <laughs> taking place that year? Not ninety eight or whenever the movie I, was filmed, I, you know. Well, right. So, so that's that's the thing. Like, I was under the impression she was watching a, a taped version of the game. So I don't know because she knew every play. But yeah. it was confusing as she was saying that, like, I missed this game because you were born. When you <laughs> and, then the, and then so the it's same like, game scene kept popping up throughout the whole movie, too. So it's like that's yeah. what led me to believe it was also the same game. Well, here, well, here's here's also where it gets confusing, though, is because the whole reason why he went to prison is because he bet on the Bills, which would have been in 1990, the 90 season, 91, went to mm-hmm. prison. Right. So it's like... I'm I'm guessing my thoughts on this, like I don't know what his sentence ended up being. I didn't catch that piece. I would still guess that this was supposed they, to be like they they said five. I think they said five years when it's like the <coughs> okay. yeah they did flashback whatever no sequence. So, so mid and, so mid nineties and hundred dude and a hundred percent dude Jonah because Hill. one of the other things we didn't mention was at the very end when he uh even when he calls back uh. Rocky, he has that whole like final thing about being like, like no Norwood wasn't even that bad of a guy. Remember, he was great the entire year. He just missed one field goal, and like another metaphor for like human beings, you know, being judged on one little instance, one little day of their life, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look up the facts. That dude was like one of the top kickers that entire year, and then missed that one, and like death threats. You know, that's it. You're done. And that's clearly so. That's clearly the game that he bet on. But then her watching it and being so into like what's going to happen at the end for some reason. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So now Um, let's try to figure out what day of the year this was. No, it's a Sunday. (laughs) You derp. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Do you know what the score was? Because they lost uh, a very close match. I don't uh, fucking know what the score was. Yeah, no, no, no. That does, it doesn't matter. It was twenty to nineteen. They were they had nineteen, so that's why they only needed a field goal to go ahead. But here's the 
here's the real funny one that was actually part of the trivia was a random number when he's given his buddy Rocky the combination to his safe oh, or shit. locker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys know how many numbers are on a combination? Three. No. Four. What? What? Do you Four, remember? right? You have any idea of what he tells him? He says what the combination. Oh, I don't is. know. It's like, oh no, 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 no. Ah, well. All right. Well, I don't remember. Well, uh, have fun guessing then, because <laughs> I need. Shit. I uh, yeah. You okay. Well, yeah, I was gonna say since you guys are dinguses, it's a it's the thirty nine like number spinny lock. Yeah. Standard. So how yeah. how are you gonna judge who wins this if neither of us know it? I'm gonna I'm gonna do math, bro. You gotta uh, guess. Twelve. Guess an, I guess thought the, I thought who I thought who figured out what year this was supposed to or what Super right. Bowl this was was gonna be going first. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was gonna do. I just wanted to really trick you guys and make you stressed out having to guess three numbers. Twelve. Lou, Lou, Lou already got it. Fifty-three. 12. No, it's between thirty-nine. Jeez. You're almost close. It's 32, 17, 21. That's what he says. Yeah. 32, 17, 21. There you go. Yeah, you knew it. All right, Lou. Don't get your panties in a bundle. We're going <laughs> to let you go first. Dominate. Awesome. We'll None see. other we'll than see. the usual game that we've played recently called Who's in That Movie? Because there are noticeable actors and actresses. Just actors, actually. It, uh, you know. It's a redundant term. There's just people that act in movies in this film that are, may also be in other films. And that's the through line, all right? You guys don't need to just guess out of all the actors to ever exist in the world. I'm going to name mm-hmm. a movie, and then someone who was also in this movie was in the movie I'm going to name. It's crazy. We did it like a month ago. You You know it. Everyone knows it. Got it. And we're going to go back and forth and just see what the fuck happens because some of these you might not have any idea on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lou, your first round. The movie that also stars somebody from the film Buffalo 66 is titled Now and Then. Um, Who out of the five or six recognizable faces? <laughs> now and then, uh, now and then I'll guess Christina I guess so vague that it couldn't hurt, could it, Lou? You have required a point. How did it happen? Nobody knows. <laughs> I have no idea. Wow. <laughs> All right, Joey, you have now the next round to earn yeah. a point. Somebody who starred in Buffalo '66 also starred in a film titled. Trees Lounge. Uh, was it Kevin Corrigan? Kevin Corrigan was in Trees Lounge. We didn't mention that already today. Oh, wait, we did. Joey has a point. Joey farts one time for his one point. <laughs> one fart Which, one point. One fart for one, one man. And we go to the next round for Lou. Well, Lou guesses who from Buffalo 66 is in a film titled The Big Lebowski? Oh, Bad Gazzara. His answer is even quicker than you can imagine. Jackie Treehorn himself. Yep. (laughs) Love it. More recognizable than I expected. 
Joey, the next round is for you. Yeah. And you must guess who from Buffalo 66 stars in a film titled Ice Cream Man. Ooh. Uh, a movie we all know. Fuck. Was it Mickey? I know it. <laughs> oh, Luke, no. I know it. Joey's going to go with Mickey Rourke. And that is an incorrect answer. Mickey Rourke is not in the Ice Cream Man. Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Howard, Mr. Howard himself, fucking creepo Clint Howard, man. That movie is nuts, dude. Clint that Howard is, nuts. in fact, in that movie. but He's, he's the Ice not. Cream Man. But he's not in Dude, the I Force saw that a long fucking time ago. I don't fucking remember that one too well, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't really either. I looked it up and thought it was funny because Jan Michael Vincent himself owning a bowling alley is... <laughs> Who is in the ice cream? There's a bunch of other like people too. I just, you know, it's one of those ones. Yeah, <laughs> that movie. <laughs> All right, who did that? Joey, you didn't get a point, but lose only up by one. With the next round for him, he must figure out who from Buffalo '66 is in a film titled "True Romance." Oh, Rosanna Arquette. Is it? Yep. Is it Roseanne? Uh, Roseanne Arquette? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> no. Who is that? <laughs> Fucking Kevin Corrigan, bro. Patricia Arquette is the one who's into romance. You've been I duped. I've duped you been all. Been duped. Dang. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Well, I, I tried to save you, but it was, you already answered at that point. It was just kind of funny because it was like, oh, man, he went right for it just with the last name. No, it's David Arkin, hey, man, dude. I, I'm committing, yeah. dude. I commit with that shit. You are a, <laughs> you are a committer. It's true. A committer of, I don't know. I got nothing. Joey. Incor- incorrect answers. Incorrect you've committed answers. <laughs> to being incorrect. <laughs> and that means... You still have two points to Joey's one point, but he gets the next round where he has yeah. to guess who from the film that we've just been talking about for like an hour and a half. Pablo 66 is also in a film titled Gold Diggers, The Secret of Bear Mountain. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a real movie, motherfucker. Bro, Who's in it? <laughs> no, I fucking idea who the fuck is in Gold there. Diggers colon The Secret of Bear Mountain. Let's go with uh, Christina Ricci. Why not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know, dude. <laughs> that is the movie she said. Really? With Anna Chlumsky, my girl herself. Wow. The, the girl who's <laughs> in my girl. I can't believe I got that. <laughs> dude, I remember that movie from when I was like really, really young. It's crazy. Dude, I've never she... even seen that. Gold Diggers, no. The Secret of Bear Mountain? Oh. Well... Not say anything. <laughs> but that means Joey, you're tied up with Lou now because you got a point. Sick. But Lou, the next round to go ahead three to two, you have to figure out who from Buffalo 66 is in a film titled Pulp Fiction. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> Just use your noggin. This- Pulp Fiction. Out of this crew. Out of this crew. I will not accept Steve Buscemi as an answer. (laughs) 
I mean, that Buddy Holly ain't no great waiter or nothing. I don't know. He says something like that. Also named Vincent. <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent Vega. Who is it, Lou? Dude, I don't fucking. You don't fucking? <laughs> that might have been. He might. You might have dropped for like a second there. Lou? No, no, I dude, I don't know. Okay, there you um, go. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Guess the name. Guess He's the name. brain farting one out. Fucking Mickey Work. I don't know. Man, he's brain fart and went out. Joey, do you know? No, I don't. I'm not even going to lie. All right. Well, that's okay. That happens. No points for Gryffindor. <laughs> who was in it? it who? Yeah, who uh, was it? Rosanna Arquette. Oh, she plays the, the girlfriend of fucking Numbnuts there. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Nice. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Now, see, once you got there, you're like, ah, God damn, bitch. Mike was uh, gonna go with after hours at first. He was like, "Well, none of them are gonna know after hours." So that's your that's your fiction. that's your Rosanna Arquette movie. That's the one you use for Rosanna Arquette. I was expecting something else, but anyway, <laughs> after hours, the whole nine nope. yards. What did you, nope. what you? There's options. Nope. Just continue. Just continue. I'll tell you when the game's done. Discontinue for like no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, who's who's fucking turn is it now? Mine. That was Joey. Lou. Lou didn't get it right. Joey is gonna try to get the go ahead point here while he figures out yeah, who yeah, from yeah. Buffalo '66 isn't a movie titled "Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas." Well, I've never heard of this. Oh shit! Who is it? Come on, dude. They don't say "Come on, dude" to him. You just have the Pulp Fiction question, oh, man. <laughs> this one's a little bit more obvious. Was to it me, Christ- Oh, Christina Ricci. Who's coming on who in this movie? Uh, well, I, I know where Benicio Del Toro came, so. <laughs> Somewhere That's like ugly, man. really That's uncomfortable so ugly. in the backseat of a Volkswagen? Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job, Joey. You've yeah. It's a Lucy. lot of random people that pop up in that movie, but yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. That's another one. Like, think about it for a second, and maybe you'll get there. Yeah. And now with the go-ahead point, Lou to the to redeem the tie, he's gonna guess who from Buffalo '66 starred in a film titled Art School Confidential. I will not accept Steve Buscemi as an answer, <laughs> unless you can tell me which. <laughs> Our school confidential. Never mind. I was gonna say which which part in the Steve Buscemi verse two is the role that Steve Buscemi is in in Art School Confidential. I, I don't the know. Psycho, I'm just gonna guess. The director. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna right, guess go Jan Michael Vincent as a as a stab. That's a good stab. We mentioned him. He's in things. He's not in Art School Confidential. But does Joey know who's in Art School Confidential? I don't think so. No, I don't. Steve- <laughs> Well, Steve Buscemi is. Surprise! Steve Buscemi's in a movie, guys. This one is Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Houston. There's a lot of other... There's a lot of people in that movie, though. Uh, Another indie sort of big cast. Steve Buscemi. You know, he's done it. Mm -hmm. He's He's done done it all. But now, who... What was this one for Joey? He's done every kind of movie. That's true. Um, uh, I just I keep forgetting the order. Did who had us go confidential first? Joey's, oh, it's Joey's my turn. turn. It's my turn. Okay. Once we get this deep in it, like I can't fucking remember, dude. So <laughs> we'll, we'll remember. All right, Joey. For you. 
Thank you. It's almost, it's a, this is the go ahead, Joey. If you can get this right, you can win. The <sighs> Here we go. Who from Buffalo 66 stars in a little known, quietly shepherded art house independent movie titled Iron Man 2. It's not an independent small fit. That was the joke. Just think of Iron Man 2. Oh, man. I don't remember, I not, man. I will not accept Sam was, Rockwell. Was it Mickey? Mickey? Was it Mickey? Was it Mickey? You fucking dick. You have, yes, a, you have five seconds to look it up quickly enough? Yeah, of course it's him. He's Whiplash. Come on. He's the, he's, main yeah, villain. He's, he's the guy, the big fucking muscly shirtless man. Jeez, at least make it sound like you had an idea. Come on. Like, <sighs> you won. Congratulations. Way to Yay! go. Unless Lou can name who was in the movie Basquiat. Basquiat? What the I, fuck? I don't know. I don't know. I'm fucking you don't, Vincent you don't know Gallo. I don't know. You've done it, Lou. You won. Congratulations. No, I'm just kidding. You're right, though. You don't win, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. motherfucker. That was the tiebreaker. 